Welcome to What's Changed, a historically broad but temporally short podcast that does an overview of a topic through history while also employing pun-based humor to keep things light. I'm your host, Everton Foster, and in this podcast we conclude the topic of sailing. Before we get into the tumultuous expeditions, let's get a sense of the historical climate. We find ourselves in the midst of the Age of Sail, but sailing was anything but smooth. The Age of Sail lasted from the mid-16th century to the mid-19th century. The time period itself was a golden age for ships we might think about as relics of the past. European countries used galleons with huge sails to trade, transport, slaves, and goods back to their home countries after expeditions, and to discover new lands. Historians contextualize these discoveries in a few ways. They established civilizations, heavy with the air quotes on that point, participated in the Old World, and the Old World is considered Eastern and Western Europe, the Middle East, and Asia. The New World was the land's furthest west. Many explorers, conquistadors, and sailors set out west to discover these new lands. And You might be familiar with the rhyme, in 1492, Columbus sailed the ocean blue. This time period is referred to as the Age of Discovery. Now, it is debatable that the age was actually one of discovery because the land and people found by the Europeans had been living in those communities for quite some time, not to mention other people, namely the Vikings, had already traveled to that part of the world. What is not debatable is that these journeys were used to circumvent existing trade routes that were under control of the Ottoman Empire. Now, this is where things get a little dicey, so to speak. With the fall of Constantinople, the Ottoman Empire had more significant control over the Silk Road, a network of trade routes that connected the East and West. Then there was the issue of the maritime spice trade. The spice trade refers to the trade between historical civilizations in Asia, Northeast Africa, and Europe. The maritime aspect of trade was dominated by the Austronesian peoples in Southeast Asia, who established the precursor trade routes from Southeast Asia and later China to Sri Lanka and India by at least 1500 BC. There are other trading powers before that time period, but I bring up the spice trade specifically because European countries like Portugal, Spain, the Netherlands were essentially denied access to these trade routes by the Ottoman Turks without payment of hefty taxes. Now, Why did I go over all that information about 16th century trade routes and shifting regional power balances? Thank you so much for asking. You know, I really do appreciate any audience feedback. As a matter of fact, if you'd like to give any or suggest topics for the pod, I'll be setting up a Facebook page and a Discord channel as well where fellow trivia nerds and history peeps can come and talk. At any rate, all that to say the inability of powerful European kingdoms to get good trade deals sparked their many sojourns to the New World for goods and slaves. That competition between kingdoms, along with underlying religious tensions, would set the stage for many, many naval battles, and more expeditions. The Age of Sail was when it all came to a sharp point. The practice had been around for thousands of years, helping mankind move around the globe, trade goods with foreign nations, and see adventure. Something I'm always struck with when I research is that history is cumulative. It adds up and plays out in stages. History reveals itself imperfectly, but when it does, what you learn adds context to daily life. So, during the Age of Sail, there are a lot of naval battles occurring. There was the Battle of Lepanto that I spoke about on the last episode, which took place between the Holy League and the Ottoman Empire, and resulted in a victory after a long line of defeats from the Ottoman Empire. 
There were a few European countries that did not send soldiers, ships, or support other than moral, and a few wouldn't even send that. They were busy vying for power in their own areas, competing with their neighbors, the church, and the Ottoman Turks. The first country we'll talk about is Portugal. They were very involved in the Age of Discovery due to a man known as Prince Henry the Navigator. His real name is Infante Dom Henrique of Portugal, Duke of Vissu, but we'll call him Hank for short. Hank was the fourth child of the Portuguese King John I, who founded the House of Aviz. Hank was responsible for the development of the Caravel, a lighter ship which could sail faster, further, and was highly maneuverable. It also could sail, quote-unquote, into the wind, making it largely independent of the prevailing winds. It's also alleged by some historians he created a school for navigation that turned out incredibly competent and seaworthy sailors out of Segres, Portugal. Hank never set sail himself, but he was definitely a benefactor of the industry. Unfortunately, Portugal also engaged in the more unsavory parts of sailing and trade as well. They were the first country to engage in the Atlantic slave trade during the 16th century, and they completed the first transatlantic slave trade voyage to Brazil in 1526, according to National Geographic. Although Portugal was the first, they were swiftly joined by the kingdoms of Spain and Great Britain. And it's not as though that point in history was the first time many of these countries had purchased slaves. The Arab slave trade, named as such because Muslim Arabs took Africans and sold them as slaves, began in the middle of the 7th century. Slaves were a commodity captured and sold from coastal and interior parts of Africa, as well as from Caucasus regions of Europe. We'll get further into it later, because sailing, trade, and the idea of slavery being a racial caste are all linked together like a Jenga puzzle. For now, though, let's talk about the vying for political and economic power between Great Britain and Spain. Uh, the Anglo-Spanish War lasted from 1585 to 1604. The Spanish Armada was a Habsburg fleet of 130 ships that sailed from Coruna in late May 1588. The Habsburg dynasty was a family of royals that had produced kings in Bohemia, Hungary, Croatia, Portugal, and Spain. Uh, the fleet that sailed from Corona in late May was supposed to invade England and end the reign of Queen Elizabeth I. The time period was experiencing a lot of tension over religion. Not much has changed there, but because of the development of Protestantism in England. The Habsburgs also sought to stop Britannia's interference in the Spanish Netherlands and also to stop the harm caused by English and Dutch privateering ships that interfered with Spanish interests in the Americas. That's right! Pirates strike again! The first battle, the Battle of Gravelines, did not go well for the Habsburgs. The Spanish fleet of 130 Spanish galleons was quickly outmaneuvered by the more nimble English fleet. The battle was resulted in 20,000 dead and a crushing defeat for Spain, one-third of whom's 130 galleons did not return home. But moving right along, we also see a lot of exploration and colonization attempts by many of these European countries. So Spain was the first country to colonize the Americas during the 15th century, and then Portugal around the same time. In fact, there was a treaty signed to keep things civil between Brazil and Portugal, and by things, I mean global colonization and exploitation of indigenous people for profit. It was called the Treaty of Torcea. So soon, we have England getting in on the game and France following suit, albeit much more slowly than its neighbors. And as European nations developed themselves and their wealth off their colonies, new nations were seeded. 
All right. Now, since we are on the topic of colonies, let's talk about the Mayflower and the journey that brought white settlers to America. We will not be talking about Roanoke because while it's intriguing and mysterious, it's blatantly obvious that they were eaten by yetis. The Mayflower came across the Atlantic Ocean in 1620. After a rough ten weeks at sea, the Puritans arrived and began to organize their lives. Just a year earlier, in 1619, the first documented Africans to arrive in America find land in the English-speaking colony O.O. become Virginia on a ship called the White Lion, a Dutch man-of-war ship. I think the duality there is interesting. Enslaved peoples being brought as cargo to a new land just before people who felt religiously persecuted risked life and limb to get to the same place thinking they'd left the evils of their old society behind. Obviously, the duality lacks perfect symmetry, though. For one thing, Jamestown had already been established in 1607, and the Puritans most likely would not have considered slavery evil. At any rate, sailing would have continued to be a driving force for trade, warfare, and the propagation of slavery uh, during the Age of Sail. The last battle to be fought entirely between sailing vessels was the Battle of Navarine in 1827, and sailing vessels saw a major decline with the invention of the steamboat. But Everton, you say, having stayed all the way to the end of the podcast, what about the 1700s? What about today? Okay, all right. Because you stayed, and for a sense of full coverage, let's go over sailing in the 18th, 19th, 20th, and 21st century. During the 18th century, sailing vessels had reached their most complex. Sailing ships were at their peak during this time period, and it's often called the Golden Age of Sail. There were ships that had evolved from the 15th century, powerful warships, called man-of-wars. There was privateering on ships like Blackbeard's Queen Anne's Revenge, that set sail on July 21st, 1710 for the first time, and sunk in 1718. These ships were larger than life, and normally had multiple masts and weapons aboard, like cannons. There was also the Prusen, which was an iron-hulled sailing boat with five masts that was built in 1902. It is the largest sailing ship ever built. And during the 20th and 21st century, we see sailing become mainly a luxury activity, or for some cultured, a skill used to fish. In 1766, uh, the first woman ever to circumnavigate the globe, Jean Barret set sail with her lover, Philibert Commerson, and in 1792, Marianne Talbert found herself serving as a sailor on board an English ship, eventually deserting and living her life as a man and a soldier in the French Revolutionary Wars. Another woman circumnavigated the globe by herself in 1978. Her name is incredibly Polish, so please forgive me. It's Christine Christina Szczernowska Lezizwitsk. I think I said that correctly. There was also an all-woman team from India who circumnavigated the globe. They did that in May 19th of 2018, and it was a grueling eight-month expedition done in six parts. So, I hope that's satisfied. I aim to please. Thank you for listening to What Changed. I have been and will be your host, Everton Foster. If you want to keep up with the pod, follow me at What Changed on Facebook or join the What Changed Discord. Have a good night.